So I played that little clip to just highlight imagination. And there's one little quote in there where he says, if you want to be free, if you really just wish to be, you can be free. You can be free in imagination. Now, I'm not saying go out there and just imagine any other thing, but you can imagine the kingdom of God. You can imagine the throne of God. You can imagine heaven. There's descriptions in the scripture that actually describe heaven. They describe the throne. Revelation 4, Revelation 5 talks about, it describes the whole scene. The whole scene is described there. Um, there's places where it describes Jesus. His eyes are a flame as fire. And there's different visitations of Jesus or the, where they show up in the scripture. You can go there and actually imagine what you're reading. That is a really nice way to enter into Revelation as well. Brian didn't talk about that a lot, but... It's where you just kind of let go and um, let that childhood little thing in there. You know, somebody created that, little, that film, that clip, and they, they tried to get into what, is, what do children, what would be the most delightful thing for a child to be in? Of course, it would be a paradise where there's candy everywhere, <laughs> right? Where there's candy just everywhere. That would be their total delight would be that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, the Lord is, is, is good, and, you know, uh, this character in this movie created this place. Um, it was just, it was a creative thing within him, a creative, imaginative thing that was within him, and he decided to create this place for children. And so I wanted to highlight that because I learned from another, a mentor of mine, which I love these little tips and keys because they help you practically connect you know, taunt, I mean, how, how do you actually connect with Jesus? Your imagination is the bridge into the spirit realm. That is just a major key. Your imagination is a bridge into the spirit realm. And so because we live in this realm, and right, Timothy? <laughs> because we live in this realm that is uh, so natural, we stumble over that one, and it has to be provable by uh, one plus one equals two. One plus one doesn't always equal two. Like one group plus one group isn't always two people. One group plus one group is a lot of people. So one plus one doesn't always equal two. And especially in Hebrew and especially in Revelation, one of the, which what Brian brought us, and I love the portals, but how, where the, okay, I was telling you about the portals. Like how did I get to the portals? Imagine, okay, so the portals actually showed up at my house after I did the the class on intimacy. It was after that doing that and leading people into that that all of a sudden in my house they start showing up at my house and what they are is they're circles of light and they're rainbow light they're translucent light and they look like rainbows in the, in the middle of them a lot of times it's color like it'd be a chartreuse kind of green or golden it's just it's a beautiful and they just and now they're coming in here I know and I didn't used to always see them in here but I saw them at my house and we would have Friday morning um, intercession at my house which is radical and wild it's not boring and tame right and it's uh, that they're there a lot of times they're actually there and at one time at my house uh Tim Rustin, I didn't really know him. This is like just supernatural stuff because we love supernatural stuff, right? Tim Rustin and Michael Landry, they were sitting on my couch. I knew Michael first, and then I met Tim Rundstrom. The story about meeting Tim Rundstrom was at a movie theater. I'd gone with Timothy and a friend. There's nobody in the theater. <coughs> Timothy's in the back. And he was back there, and he was all alone, and his hands were up like to the ceiling. And we walked in, and somebody who we were with said, 
Tim, what are you doing? And his hands are up like this, and he goes, I'm creating a portal <laughs> in the movie theater, like for Jesus to come and invade or angels to come and do warfare, right? So that was... Can you hold that for a minute so I can... So that was my, you know, that was my uh, first with Tim, but what happened was we were at my house, and they were sitting next to the cat next to each other on the couch. I didn't know how much they knew or didn't know each other. But behind them, there was a rainbow that went from the head of one of them to another, the other one. And it was, it, what is the rainbow? The rainbow is light. It's translucent light. It's from the heavenly realm. And it was connecting the two of them. And I didn't know, but I said, I think I said something to them at the end. I don't know if I did it at, during the meeting, but that they were covenant brothers. They have a covenant relationship with each other. Isn't that cool? I mean, doesn't that make just simple truth? Isn't that just interesting, right? So very, very cool. Okay, I'm going to, yeah, what? Yeah. Cool. Um, so last night, I'm sharing this because it has to do with everything that we're talking about, but last night I was, you know, sometimes when it's dark in a room, your spiritual eyes start to see better. Your, your like, natural vision is shut down. So I was sitting there, and I, like, was seeing just shapes moving past me, and I realized, like, I was just imagining the throne before me in the throne room, and I realized I was seeing, like, figures coming to and from, like, before the Father, but then what happened was I had the spirit, like, the fear of, a taste of the fear of the Lord, because what I said, I'd just been studying Moses, and so I said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, and all of a sudden, the fear of the Lord, like, just terror of him and the reality of him and you can't fear the lord unless you're like convinced it's a reality you're not afraid of your imagination (laughs) um but so it came from focusing like on what i was imagining but also semi-experiencing as well and then after that it released like several downloads of revelation on just different stuff like after that encounter, it just, like, totally whew, took me to the, the realm of revelation, and I was getting downloads and, like, writing it all down, oh but it, it started from just focusing in and imagining, like, I am before the throne of the Father, um, but I thought I'd just add that in there. <laughs> That's like fresh, fresh stuff, right? That's awesome, fresh stuff. Wahoo! I love that. Um, yeah, so another time in our house, I just, uh, this whole seer realm is going to open up hugely coming. Are the coming attractions? The coming attractions are coming. They're coming. <laughs> Ready or not, here I come. Whether you like it or not, it's coming. You can come and run to it or you can run away from it, right? But it's coming. He's coming. And the fear of the Lord is something that is actually coming as well. It is. If you look at this in Isaiah 11, the fear of the Lord, if you look in the seven spirits of God, the last one is the fear of the Lord. The Lord gave me a revelation. The fear of the Lord will make entrance. Actually, I prophesied it. It was at our house on a Friday morning, so those radical things happen. But I prophesied it was revelation to me. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. The fear of the Lord's coming in. And when the fear of the Lord comes in, all the other of the seven spirits of God are going to come in huge. One after another after another. It's going to be like, that's what the word was, like dominoes. Like dominoes, they're coming. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. Why fear of the Lord? Because uh, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the Lord, all of those are like, this, are like the gifts of the Holy Spirit on steroids. They're just like off the charts. So if you have the spirit of knowledge, <coughs> you know everything. 
You absolutely know everything. I could look at you and I could tell you what you did this morning, what you did last night, where, where you're headed, what your future is, how long you're going to live, all that stuff, what, who your mom is, your grandpa, all that stuff. I know all that. A spirit of wisdom, it's the same thing. Knowledge is the knowledge. Wisdom is like, how do we do this? Spirit of instruction. Spirit of might is powerful. It's like Samson had the spirit of might on him. That's powerful. That would be powerful, like, if you're, like, chained to two pillars and it's a whole arena, like, it would be, like, uh, you know, a big convention center and you've got the two pillars and you're able to, like, tear the whole thing down. So with the spirit of might, you have to have that under control, right? Is that right? That's what's coming. You've got to have that under control. You've got to, I mean, how do I say under control? You have to be under control of the Holy Spirit. So the fear of the Lord precedes a lot of knowledge. It precedes a lot of things because when the fear of the Lord is, you have the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you're not going to use that stuff wrong. You're going to know a lot about something, a lot about people. You're not going to use it wrong. And I just want to say something about knowledge and those kind of things. Because, uh, you know, when Moses, uh, when Moses went to Pharaoh, remember Moses goes to Pharaoh and he has the rod, remember? And he, it's a sign. And he throws the rod down and it becomes a snake. So what did the ma- ma- magicians do that, had, that didn't know God? What did they do? They threw their rods down. Did they know Jesus? Did their rods turn into snakes? Did it look just like Moses' rod? Yeah, because they they were competing. So that that happened. Now, how did they pull that one off? I have no idea. (laughs) Some kind of magic. (laughs) But they did it. They were able to do it, right? Somehow they did it. And then what happened? Ease them up, right? So top dog wins, (laughs) right? Top dog wins. I just want to say coming attractions, there's going to be all that kind of stuff happening. And it will look just like the real. It will look just like the real and it's coming and it's going to get stronger. And as you see, darkness covers the earth and gross darkness, but his glory will, will come on his people. It will come on us. But that doesn't mean that everything out there is going to be light. That means they're going to be counterfeit everything. And just because someone can whip off a bunch of word and knowledge and this and that and that doesn't necessarily mean they really know Jesus. Because many of the, you know, clairvoyants, those people out there, they can do similar stuff, right? So what is the, what is the, what is the convincing proof that someone knows Jesus? The fruit. What is the fruit? Yes. What are they like? What are they like when they're home? What are they like hearing about? What are, what are they? Are they, can, are they loving? Are they, not, are they approachable? Are they changing themselves into more like Jesus, like conformed into the image of Jesus? Are they changing into that? Yes. They must be changing. I mean, nobody's perfect, but we're on the journey. We're on the road. We're headed that way, right? So we're doing that. So I just wanted to, this really isn't even my message, but it's just coming up. And I like that. That's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. But we're going to, um, let's see, where are we going now, Jesus? Uh, your imagination. Yes. We're, but that's like the end of the message is the imagination. But I wanted to bring it up in the front because um, the imagination is very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah. So 
I think we're going to move through. I want to read a couple scriptures first really quick. Because this is kind of word and spirit, a combo of the two of them. Uh, John 17, 7, 17, here's what the Lord said to me just uh, yesterday, day before. And I thought I'd bring it up. The Holy Spirit sets you free. The word of God keeps you free. It's really needed because this, we're post Brian Simmons coming and the Passion Translation. God is giving us a, a translation of the Bible that's beautiful, that, you know, that is, that is, uh, is inviting, invites you to Jesus. You, you know, you want to be with him. You read it, and it's just full of life. And so what I'm saying is that um, the Holy Spirit sets you free. The word of God sanctifies or keeps you free. You're not going to stay free. You can go have all the sozos, all the inner healings, all of that, all day, all night, but you're not going to stay free unless you actually come to Jesus and actually come to him in his word, in his revealed word, and come to him. That will keep you free. So I love that. That's like, yes, yellow highlight that one. So the word for worded there, here, here's kind of cool. The word keeps or sanctifies you. It, uh, it, the, the, word for, uh, the Greek word for word there is logos. And the word origin of logos is lego. Is that interesting? The legos, you know, the lego, the building blocks. What a picture of revelation. Lego, like the yellow and yellow and yellow and yellow. And then I'll add a blue one up here and a red one over here, right? That is like the leg. I thought that was so cool. I read that and I was like, oh my gosh. The original word for that is Lego. And I wonder if they actually pulled that from there and created the Lego toy from that. Because words create. Words, you add word blue. If I say blue, what do you see in your mind? Blue. David, blue. You see blue. If I say blue cow, what do you see? Blue cow. If I say blue cow running, what do you see? A funny-looking cow. <laughs> blue, yellow polka-dotted cow running. What do you see? Yeah. Oh, that's cute, too. Okay, let's put yellow galoshes on it. Look. So what did the words just do? They created a picture, but that little movie, right? Orange mushrooms, yellow dots on top, chocolate waterfalls, right? Trees with um, candy canes on them. You can see it again in your mind. It just brought all that back up, right? Because words create. So do, you, do we want to be created in the image and likeness of Jesus? Fully. What do we need? Words. Yes. And his words that make pictures, that create change, that create his world and who he is inside of us. Because we have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. Correct? Your spirit is absolutely perfect, knows everything about God and Jesus. Your soul, not quite so much. It's catching up, right? Your body, sometimes when you tell it to go on a fast, it rebels. Anybody experience that but me, 
right? It rebels, right? So your, Jesus prayed that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be saved. That was, that's his heart, that a whole spirit, soul, and body be saved. Not just our spirit, but soul and body. So our soul is renewed and recreated like him from words. That's one way. The words, like Legos, recreate our soul to be like our spirit. And when, then when that happens, the last piece of property to submit is your body. And that's where you see transfiguration. There is potential for transfiguration here in this life on this earth. Who would like that? We've got to get on the train. <laughs> yeah, you want to get on the train with me? Let's get on the train and do some practical things that we can apply into our lives, right, to actually take us down there to get us there. So we all get transfigured before, like Jesus. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Hmm. Word, word. Okay, I think we've, cut, we've covered that pretty cool. So I'm going to just read a couple of scriptures about words. Psalm 19, 130. I'm going to read this in a few different versions. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, the entrance of his words give light. What does light do when it comes in somewhere? Illuminates. And what happens to if there's darkness in the soul somewhere? What happens to that? goes away. <laughs> do we want that to go away? Now, we can be dependent on people forever and ever and ever and go to sozos forever and ever and ever. And I'm not against sozos. I've done them myself. I've done inner healings. I've done, the, I've, all, I've done all of that. Sometimes you need that to get unstuck. I'm just saying the pathway to actually grow up into him in all things is this. You've got to read your Bible, right? <laughs> but read it in Revelation. Read it with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so it becomes light and alive. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The word simple there has to do with just, you just don't know a lot about him and his kingdom. And who wants to know everything? Like, if I was a kid and that was the kingdom, that whole place in there, I would want to, if I were, if I went in there, wouldn't you want to go taste the water out of the waterfall? And pick up the candy cane from the tree? Right? And eat the gumballs that, you know, he picked out of the tree and eat them and try them, all of them. You know, I remember in one part in this whole castle, remember when they go into the room where there's the bubbles? And they, they drink it. They weren't really supposed to, but they just start rising, right? That's like liquid light. That's light, light Jesus. That's how we ascend, and that's how we go places, and that's how we get outside of gravity, earth gravity, not just our physical bodies, but our mental part of us that holds us down. we got to get out of that. And his word does that. It gives light. Your words are a doorway that lets in light, gives understanding to the thoughtless. How about that one? <laughs> and I like it in the Amplified. Here it is in the Amplified. The unfolding of your glorious words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding to the childlike. I like that. Don't complicate it. Don't try to make it too complicated. Don't try to figure it all out. Come with a, with a learning heart. Come with a 
with a adventure. Come open it up, not like it's something that was crammed down your throat when you were a kid or crammed down your throat by maybe a preacher or two or, or crammed down your throat by a husband or a wife or crammed down your throat by a friend or whatever, you know. It can be used in a wrong way. All of us have probably experienced that. But, but take an adventure with it. It's Jesus. This is Jesus. He is this. You know, remember that scripture uh, Thursday night, I said, um, Jesus talks in John, and he said, gosh, you think in the scriptures you have eternal life? He says, no, they talk about me. I am eternal life. You think because you know, because you could memorize this front to back, right, and not really get the light out of it. It's the spirit of the word. It's Jesus. You come at this in intimacy with him. Not to read just to get more information or not to get a sermon or not to get a message or not to put all your theology together. It's you come with excitement and adventure. This is him. I'm eating him. I'm, he, it's him. It's all him from the beginning to the end. And I like that part in the scripture where he's walking with, with them and they don't know it's him. And he's teaching them where he is all through the Old Testament. And, the, and then he reveals, oh, my gosh, it's him. And then he leaves, right? But he shows them from the beginning, Genesis all the way, all Genesis all the way through. They show, he shows him, this is me. I love that. It's him. Even the Passion Translation, it's him. It's Jesus. And I like this one too. Luke 24, 2 through 7. And it says, And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scripture, which I just told you about that one. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning him in all the scripture. I'm going to highlight this in yellow, highlight it and circle it and underline it in red and say, If you're called to be a prophet, if that is a calling on you, and the church at the end of the age will be hugely Prophet and prophetic. Huge. Off the chart. It's going to come off the chart prophetic because Jesus is coming back for a bride and she will be like him. And he is prophet, priest, and king. And they will have that. And it will be awesome. They'll open their mouths. The oracles of God will come out of their mouth. They will have signs and wonders. All of that will be a part of her. She will be glorious and beautiful and lovely and wonderful. And she'll be like him. Not just do a certain miracles and then maybe post them all over the place. But she'll actually be like him all the way through. Oh, don't hit me. <laughs> okay, the spirits of the prophets reveal and unveil Jesus. Because look, he says, And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scripture. So when they were saying things, well, the prophets taught and spoke, they were revealing Jesus. Some of that was in mysteries and hidden, and they didn't quite understand it back then. But Jesus takes them all back and says, look, it's me. Look, this is me. Look, this is me. Look, this is me. The manna, they didn't know what that was. He said, you ate manna in the wilderness. He says, I was the manna. And they idolized it like we had manna from Moses. And we have the ark, and we have a this. And it's all historical, but it's nothing fresh and alive. And Jesus said, I'm the manna. I was what you ate in the wilderness. Do you want to know why you didn't get sick? you want to know why your clothes didn't wear out? You were eating me. 
That's coming again. We'll be so hungry for him and we'll so eat him. We'll be so caught up with him that that'll come again. Now, there won't be any sickly among us. They won't have, we won't have it. We'll be so full of him. The light of God, the light of Christ will so shine through us. Our soul will be taken over. Our body will be taken over and we'll be transfigured. That is to whomsoever will. I qualify it. This is for us and this is where we're at. This is the juncture that we're in right now we're edging up we're it's like this is the precipice we're about to just fall over head over just into it with no return how do you get up out of that you can't who would want to we wouldn't want to get up out of that no we wouldn't goodness sakes yes they ate him they fed on him they didn't even know it it was just little white sticky stuff and they made it into everything but they ate it in their every day it was and it had to be fresh Every day. Why? Because we must come to him fresh every day. I know you've heard that sermon before, but, you know, it's a good one. The man has got to be fresh every day or it gets worms in it. It's no good. Who likes eating wormy bread? Okay, I'm going to say wormy bread. What happens? What do you see? <laughs> yeah. How big's your bread? Show me. That you just saw in your mind. Like this? Oh, you got a little bread. <laughs> how big is your bread? Mary, how big was your bread with worms in it? Yeah. David, did you even have bread with worms? Oh, my goodness. That was like one of those, you uh, fresh, but that would be like Subway sandwich, one of those big long ones. Could you imagine with worms in it? Like, let's have some of that today. <laughs> this is all imagination. You can't not go through life and have imagination. It's just, it just happens. Especially if I create a word picture, it's going to happen, and you're going to see it that way. Um, I like this one, John 5. Oh, goodness, I didn't write that. Okay, let me read this really fast. We're going to go somewhere more. So I, I just like the word part because it's really time, about time that we just really actually eat it. <laughs> John 5, 37. This was a kind of a cool... This is a rebuke of Jesus, and, and he says, And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. And I, I, had, I read that before, and I didn't really read it before. When I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, there's like four of them. You have not heard the voice of the Father. He rebukes them. You have not heard. Now, Moses heard the voice of the Father. Elijah heard the most voice of the Father. Enoch heard the voice of the Father. Amos heard the voice of the Father. Was it possible for them to hear the voice of the Father? Absolutely. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be rebuking them if it wasn't possible. This is under an old covenant. Seriously, guys, they didn't really have the Holy Spirit in them. But they could have pursued him like Enoch did. Enoch pursued him so strong, so hard, that earth couldn't hold him anymore. He's like gone right? He's gone. Okay. You have not heard the voice of the father Two, You have not seen his form. They're getting rebuked for not seeing his form. What? This is under an old covenant. They're getting rebuked for not seeing his form. So should you be able to see his form? Yes, absolutely. You should be able to see his form. Three, you do not have his word abiding in you. He rebukes them for not having the word of God abiding in them. 
What? We have the spirit, but I laugh and I and I love all that. I mean, I love renew. I love I love I love all the supernatural stuff. I mean, you hear me talk about it. But if I don't have his word abiding in me, it is him. This is him. How easy is that to get that in? Not really that hard. But I don't have it in me. So I'm getting rebuked for that. For you do not believe him whom he sent. You didn't really believe Moses. He sent Moses, but you didn't really believe him. You have a historical knowing of him, but you don't really believe him. Because Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and Sadducees and, because they said, we have Moses. And he said, well, if you actually had believed Moses and you actually had read him, really read him to know God, he wrote about me. And you would recognize me because here I am. It's all, I'm in there all the way. So we can go back in the Old Testament and find Jesus all over the place. Amen? Yes. Okay, I just thought that was a nice little thing. <laughs> that was a revelation. I was like, oh, my goodness. That is like evidence that those things need to be in us and a part of us. We should be seeing the form of the Lord. We should be hearing his voice. And if we're not, adjust. Let's just adjust and get on the train, right? Get on the train because you know what's ahead possibly and potentially for everyone here is to step into the powers of the age to come. And I'm telling you, that's beyond the, that is seven spirits of God plus more because it's the, it's the greater works that we don't even know was written about with Jesus plus more because there's going to be the culmination of Moses, Elijah, Jesus, the Acts, and more now here at the end of the age as his bride fully comes forth. Is that awesome? We're here. We have the potential for this. We're going to wake up. We're going to wake up and we're going to take on life. We're going to receive the life and the light everywhere that we can. Because there's no reason why you and I can't walk with God like Enoch. Or like Moses. You know, Bobby Connor, early in his walk with God, said, I want to be like Moses. I want to walk with God like Moses. I want, to, I want to see all that. I want to throw my rod down and turn into a snake, and I want to turn the water into blood. You know, I'm, like, I'm all about that. I, like, I, want, I, like, I want to go into the tabernacle like where you are, and the glory's over it. You know what he said to Bobby? You heard this story before? He says, then you need to do what Moses did. You need to live like Moses lived. Oh, that was like, <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> It doesn't just automatically, like, download. I don't just don't get an automatic download. Some things just download, and God is so merciful and so gracious, and he multiplies beyond what our efforts are. But I tell you what, if we seek him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and might, then we'll find him even more. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. If you hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst, another key. Hunger and thirst, childlikeness. Hunger and thirst, childlikeness. Like I said last Thursday night, I taught uh, Pa Pa about how to wait on God in a more simplified version. And she taught it to her daughter one time because her daughter came down and found her on the floor with the headphones on. And she said, Mommy, what are you doing? Some of you have heard this already. Mommy, what are you doing? And, And Mommy gets up and says, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. Um... Eden, Reverend Eden. 
waiting on the Lord. Oh, mommy, I want to do that. So she just told her really simple how to do it. Well, I told her, she like even simplified it more, puts the headphones on her. The girl goes into heaven, totally goes in. She describes, she gets on an elevator. She goes up, she goes to the throne. She sees the crystal sea. She describes it. They've never read it to her ever. And it was about a two minute encounter. It took her about two minutes to go in and all this happened. And then she meets Jesus in there. Talk about Willy Wonka chocolate factory. I mean, that's just like, that's Willy Wonka on steroids. And that was just, why did that happen for her? And her mom is getting it, but why didn't it happen immediately for her? Yeah. And she, she doesn't have all the hurts, the wounds, the betrayals, the fear. Didn't watch all the horror movies, the scary movies that make you afraid of the supernatural, right? I mean... I watched them. My mom let me watch them. You look, Frankenstein, you know, all the zombie vampire movies, all that stuff. Well, that scares you. It scared me when I was a little girl. It scared me of the supernatural. So you got to undo some of that. But these are keys and practical ways to undo that. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want to share, um, I, obviously, I'm not going to get through here, but... <laughs> This, I, I was revelating with um, the miracles. I, I, the, when Jesus said to, uh, and this is just revelation, but when Jesus said, I did miracles, but you didn't understand the message. So the miracles weren't just miracles, just to be cute or to be advertise himself. He wasn't trying to advertise himself. Because we see other places where he says, like he ran away and they didn't know who it was that actually had healed him, right? That's with Jesus. And so, um, and, and so he said, and so I've been thinking about the miracles that he did. Like, what is the message in the, in the miracle? I've been thinking about the, the multiplying of the loaves and the fish, right? He, he multiplied, and this is just really fun. This is like a little side thing, but <laughs> multiplying the barley, loaves, and the fish. And he does all that. He feeds them all. And then he tells the disciples, after everybody's eaten to their full, he says, gather all the remaining loaves that nothing is wasted. Now, why would Jesus care if those loaves were wasted or not? I mean, he just had fed thousands of people and multiplied those loaves beyond, beyond, beyond. What difference would it matter if there's loaves left, right? Well, that's true. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. You guys are revelating. This is how revelation happens. What did you say? Extravagant, but not wasteful. Anybody else? According to riches and glory provided me. So you read something or you hear something like that and you say, what? What is the message in the miracles? I'm not, I can't just pass that by now because he's upset about, because they didn't understand the message in the miracles. But some of the things he said and he got upset with him were like, well, wait a minute. I probably wouldn't have got that either. <laughs> like, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Like if I said, Colton, unless you eat my body. <laughs> 
and drink my blood. You have no part of me. You're like, I'm getting out of here. This is the last time I've come to this place. I'm not coming back here, right? You wouldn't want to do it. So very, very cool. Well, I was meditating on it. Gather all the remaining loaves that nothing is wasted. There were 12 baskets remaining. Oh, there you go. 12 baskets remaining. What, what popped up in, in me was the 12 baskets remaining. Are, and here's a couple things. In John 21, 22, one of the apostles is jealous over the other one and asking, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? So in other words, he's saying, if I want John to live and not die throughout the ages and stay here because I have a mission for him, what does it matter to you? And he would be called a remaining one. Remaining one. So um, just a food for thought. I'm not going to make a dogmatic thing about this. But I, I know people who have ran into people that have been around a long time. Bob Jones used to talk about it. Others have talked about it. Um, and they're, they're, they're here, and they, they just continued on. Jesus had a, huh? Bob's met them, yeah. And Sadhu has met them, and um, others have met, met them and run in them. Well, why are they here? Well, who, I mean, they're on mission. They're on commission. They do intercessory things. They translate and go different places and do stuff. I know people who have run into John, John the Apostle. Like, literally, he was in their midst. So, um, am I, it's, that nothing is wasted. There are 12 baskets remaining. To me, it just popped up. When I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh. He's talking about the 12, the apostolic age, at the end of the age when the apostles are fully coming forth and the remaining ones are all going to be a part of that and the gathering of all those 12 together for nothing to be wasted for the end of the age here, the potential for that is really, I think, quite possible. So that's just a little, I mean, that's just revelation. That was just, I mean, I, I just, that just popped up uh, today. Um, so I'm going to read, reread. Um, Luke. Luke. Luke, remember the force. No. <laughs> Luke. Luke 9. I'm going to read the transfiguration out of Luke. Remember on Thursday night I taught about the, on the translation, transfiguration. Here again, end of the age, transfiguration, um, that is totally something possible to step into. I'm going to start up here, and I, and this has to do with the fear of the Lord. This has to do with what we were talking about earlier even. Transfiguration. And some eight days after these things, it came about that he took along Peter, John, and James. Why does he take Peter, John, and James up the mountain with him? Uh, they're the closest ones with him. Yeah, they're the inner circle. Not like they're like the mucky mucks or anything. It's just they, why? They loved him more than the others. And they wanted to know more about him. So now he's going to reveal more to them. It's all in proximity to hunger. Because Peter, James, and John are so hungry. I mean, who tried to walk on the water? Peter, why? Because he was hungry to do what Jesus did. And so hunger 
puts you in proximity for revelation to come. So these were hungrier for him because if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, even miracles and all that is a righteous thing, um, you will have it. And so Peter, James, and John went up to the mountain to pray. The transfiguration message right now, it's a prophetic word of the church. Um, Peter, James, and John went up. Timothy's preaching, preached on it yesterday, thinking he didn't know I was preaching on it. Peter, James, and John, and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothes became white and gleaming. Now, that would be trippy. Imagine Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, his face starts changing. You've never seen anything like this, and his face starts gleaming. Now, they don't know he's Jesus, really, for sure, totally. Son of God, going to raise from the dead, God, totally in the flesh. They don't absolutely know that. I don't think at this point, necessarily, 100%, without doubt. His clothing becomes white and gleaming. Behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah. So here it is. You have two from the cloud of witnesses coming to Jesus. They're with him, and um, who appear in, in glory, who appearing in glory. Now, they were glorious, and there was glory on the mountain. We're speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now you have two prophets coming to Jesus to talk to Jesus, the Son of God, about what's going to happen in Jerusalem and what's going to happen when he is crucified. This is Jesus, Son of God, has two prophets come and talk to him about what's coming and talk to him about it. Is that incredible? Jesus is our forerunner. We follow him. As he was sent into the earth, so we are sent in. So the possibility and the uh, probability that one of these or two of them or any of them could come and speak to you is in Scripture. I just want to put that, I want to point that out because that is going to start happening and that will be a very controversial thing (laughs) because one church is coming together. There's not two churches. There's a heavenly, there's this, but the cloud is, I mean, the veil is thinning. It's getting really thin, and now the, the uh, colliding of the two is, is coming. It's, it will be here. And um, Tim, Timothy, John has come to him and taught him. First and second John, P, or, uh, uh, Paul the Apostle came and taught him his Pauline letters years ago, stood next to him and taught him as he read. I want to make us hungry for this kind of a life. I want to make us hungry to walk with God in such a way. Is that just not boring? Isn't that just not boring, church? Not boring life with God? Not boring? This is exciting. Would you, would you like to have Elijah and Moses come and talk to you tonight? Yeah, and explain to you some of the things that they wrote about back here that you didn't quite get? Yes, we would love that, right? I'm just going to make, I'm making us hungry. Okay, now listen to this. About what he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. So now you've got it. They're on the mountain. They've gone up there with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Jesus' face gets really different. And the glory comes. And Elijah and Moses come. And they're in the glory. So they're probably wobbly on their legs, I would imagine. Now Peter and his companions, at some point along here, had been overcome with sleep. It actually says in other versions that they fell asleep. They were asleep. But when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. Red light special. What happens? How are you going to see his glory? 
when you're fully awake. Here's, this is revelation. This is how the scriptures become alive. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Wake up, wake up, fully awake, fully awake, fully awake, get fully awake, wake up, wake up, wake up. Do not stay in old dead religion. And I don't care how great ours is right now in this movement that we're in. It is not the ultimate utopia. There's much more ahead. There's much more coming. Don't get satisfied. And don't be like the Jewish people when Jesus came the first time. They couldn't even recognize him. They were so rigidly rigid and strict and, and, uh, uh, and, and lost and not really having a real relationship with Jesus Christ or the Father. They had no real spirituality. They didn't have that. And then when he came, they couldn't see him. And he's coming again, and he's coming in an amazing way. He's going to come through us. He's going to come. Those kind of things are going to start happening, plus other things, and it's going to be off the charts. So we've got to open up, be open uh, to uh, step into something more glory, from glory to glory to glory. It's always more glory. Amen? Yes. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And it came about, these were parting from him. When these were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, now here he says, let's build all the tabernacles. Like we had one before. Now they tried to go back historically. Like, okay, let's build a tabernacle. That's what we need to do. Build a tabernacle, right? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Of course, it's Peter that says it. Who walked on water? I mean, at least he's doing something, right? At least he's trying to do something. And that's the hope here. Like, at least he's trying to do something. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. The cloud's coming. It's going to overshadow us. And it's the glory. And it's going to have... And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one. And in other version, it says um, they were afraid. So the cloud comes. We've had a level of glory. But when this cloud comes, it's going to be the fear of the Lord. And well, all I'm saying is when it comes, stay in it. Get in it. Don't run from it. Come into it. Because it's in this place where transfiguration happens. It's in this place where the more greater glory comes is the cloud. And I would propose to say as well, Moses had been under the cloud. Did not Moses go up into that same cloud where the lightning and the thunder? He'd already been there. But Elijah had not. Not that I know of that Elijah had ever been baptized with that cloud. Now we have Elijah in the earth because we know Elijah never died. He just threw, right? So now he's back in the earth and he's there with him on the mountain. And Elijah, I say, gets encountered with a dose of the fear of the Lord because, this, cause, because another baptism of that is, came, comes on him. So this will be, as I see it, the church at the end of the age. This is going to be glorious, powerful, a little scary, but wonderful off the charts, and we can step into it. If we're hungry, we can go there. And, and not staying um, just where we've been, right? The fear of the Lord is amazing because, well, like I said in the beginning, 
fear of the Lord is the, the last shall be first. The fear of the Lord comes. Then you have a spirit of knowledge. You have all the others that just boom, 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 boom. Can you imagine living fully in all of those seven spirits of God? You know who functioned in it was uh, what was little on Jonathan Edwards had it because they, they, people got afraid to be in the hands of an angry God. Remember the sermon he preached that caused the outbreak to happen? Uh, men in the hands of an angry God. That and um, the goodness and severity of God, they're both, they're both here. They're both real. Not just the goodness of God and the severity of God. They're both. And the severity is not absent of the goodness of God. It's still amazingly good. <laughs> totally really good. <clears throat> so um, I remember with Timothy and I, we were in Lancaster, California, and we got a word from Terry Bennett. A lot of you probably know this, but we'd heard about him, prophet, the, our friend, pastor down there. He says, hey, you got to come hear him. You know, he's had encounters with Gabriel. He's got the headline news reports. You want to come hear this person. So we get in our car and we drive 16 hours. We, like, we just drove it, right? Okay. And, um, but I, I'm, to make the long story short, he was a lot different than I thought he was. I thought it'd be really harsh, but he wasn't. He's in your face as far as kind of like a Keith Green, this is what the gospel really is, this is what it really says, and this is really what it is not, and we've like really muddied the waters here, and it's time to get out of the muddy waters and get in the clean, clear, pure stream of God, and know him and see him for who he really is, and not who we've created him to be. How shocking to stand before him and realize, oh my gosh, I knew about you about that much, and I could have known a lot. Because in the volume of the book, it is written of me. He's in here. There's much about him in here. There's much about him in here. So thank you, Jesus. Wow. I love this. Thank you, Lord. So they that wait upon the Lord. It's last two scriptures. There's a lot of Bible today, but it's a little few stories. And we had Willy Wonka. Come on. <laughs> So how do, we get, how do we move along? One, we actually read this with childlike adventure. And don't be stuck in what we've known before. When I read the Bible, I always, before I read it, I always say, I don't really know anything. I kind of say that in my heart. I say, I want to discover. I don't want to just believe. I just don't want to go with everything that I've always been taught. I'm ready for something new. I want something new and fresh. I want living life, living men. I want real good Yummy, yummy, you know? I like yummy food. Who likes stale food? Nobody likes stale food. Stale bread, old meat in the refrigerator kind of tastes like tangy, right, a little bit. <laughs> can make you sick, right, too, if you eat it. and <laughs> can make you sick. That's where you drink bentonite clay and clean it all out. <laughs> Love that bentonite clay. <clears throat> yes, Jesus. Okay, Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. That's that prophetic flying, that prophetic soaring. That's that going into the heavenlies. You mount up and you get out of being earthbound. And you get out of being just doctrinally bound of what you used to know. And you rise up and you soar. <clears throat> with him because as you wait on him and look at jesus in this place of waiting and quietness 
Um, you become transformed by him in the waiting on the Lord, looking at him, beholding him, being with him, alone with him. And it's just carving out time. Waiting on the Lord is not serving the Lord. It's not soaking. It's waiting in love and adoration toward him. You are the servant to the Lord. He's not serving you by bringing you his presence. That's nice. But there's another, there's another level, which is the actually waiting on him. Now, here's another eagle's uh, uh, scripture, and you'll see why I brought it in. Exodus 19.4 says, God is saying to them, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So we read that scripture. We hear that, like, how I bore them up on eagles', eagles wings and brought them to myself. But we forget the part he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I brought you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you up. The bearing them up on eagles' wings was also the judgment against the Egyptians, which we see the power of the ages to come, pre-coming, forerunner, Moses is a type of Jesus. We see the water turns to blood. We see the judgments on the gods of the earth are given to the hands of Moses because Moses was, it said he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. There's that humility. There's that nature to be able to carry an authority like that. But this is going to come again. It's going to come around full circle. And I just have to say, Moses went up into that mountain and he encountered the fear of the Lord up there. Nobody else wanted to go up there. They didn't even want God to talk to them. They said, Moses, you go and you hear from him and you come and talk to us because that scares me. All I'm saying here, it's a coming, but, walk, but step into it when it comes. Step into it and be hungry and stay hungry. And that when it feels a little like, <clears throat> little, little like, uh, you know, it's here, here's uh, Timothy. We were in Lancaster, California. Terry Ben, I was talking to you about him, and he prophesies over us. We're like, we weren't expecting a prophetic word, but he says, You too, Timothy and Glenda. He calls us by name, and we like, Oh, okay, hello. <laughs> you know, this is the Gabriel guy who's got all the warnings of newspaper <laughs> headlines of not really great things happening. And he pro- starts prophesying to us, and he says, uh, Preachers of righteousness, teachers of holiness. And then he said, uh, new life is coming and a banner of new life over you and in front of you. And then he says, and I've never said this to any of you. He calls us pastors. I've never, because he thought, I never said this to any of you. But he says, the terror of the Lord is going to come in your midst. And he said, and there will be a sign. There will be a mist and it will be a sign. The terror of the Lord will come in your midst. And he said, from knowing the terror of the Lord, the persuasion of men will grow in its reach, in its radiance, and, and they'll go out from there even to the ends of the earth. Now, when he prophesies this to us about the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord coming in our midst, I drop because it comes in the room. I drop to the floor, I, and i not just on my knees. I like, I'm fly prostrate. I am bawling, and I am, like, overcome, taken over with this. Because it wasn't just a word, but the fear of the Lord came in the room. 
Timothy's to my right, and he's like on his knees, bawling as well. Oh, and he said, and you'll be marked by the Lord in a marked company, which are bondservants. Marked in the forehead is bondservants. So it'll produce bondservants. Why? Because they'll have the revelation of who amazingly is Jesus, God the Father, who they are. And that brings us in such fear of them and terror because they're powerful, but loving but they're powerful as well. They are. And we want to be cleaned up because then we can function like we were created to function, right? We were created to function as we're... Uh, so anyway, um, waiting on the Lord. Yes, that is... And I'm, I'm finished. I'm not going to... I was going to teach on how to wait, but I think this is good. This is enough. We've learned a little bit about the imagination and how to actually engage that imagination when you're waiting on Jesus. Carve a time out, carve a place out, and sit and wait for asking for nothing. You are just there to look at him, behold him, and be with him. Use your imagination. It's sanctified. Your imagination is sanctified. Use your imagination and imagine. You can go online. You can find pictures of the throne of God. Even if you just go online and look at pictures of Jesus for an hour, you start acclimatizing yourself to viewing Jesus. It's not the picture of Jesus, but you're connecting to him. So when you connect with, a, like, okay, I was trained early on, take the picture, look at it, put it back in your lap, close your eyes, imagine him, and keep him in your view and your imagination, and then speak lovely, I love you, Jesus, I worship you, and let your emotion of love, the emotion will connect you to him. And you, if, you, if you use your emotion and your imagination and connect with him like that, you'll feel it. There'll be, you'll like, I cry. When I actually connect, I like, <gasps> I know. I'm face to face with him and we've connected. I mean, you can go through a music, worship, anywhere and never connect to him. You can sing the songs, and they're joyful, and they're in your soul, and you're happy, and they make me feel good, and never really connect. You connect with Jesus personally when you put him in your view and let your emotions move to him. That's in spirit and in truth. Worship him in spirit and truth, then he'll come after you. How amazing. But you connect with him in your spirit first. I've done it. I mean, we've all done it. Like, you get there, and it's, like, fun. I'm with my friends, and it's great, rah, rah. But I'm like, oh, Jesus, I really didn't connect with you. Not really. I sang the songs. They made me feel good. But I didn't really engage with you. When I do, I'm a mess, usually. I'm usually like, you know. When it's really strong, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yes, you're so I love you. Okay, let's stand up. You guys hungry? Hungry, hungry for food, hungry for God. Are you hungry for God? Are you ready and excited for what's coming? The transfiguration. Read it in Luke. It's incredible. Read it in the Passion Translation. It's even better. Oh, I read them all, all the translations. But Luke was like, oh, my gosh, this one is really cool. Oh, Jesus. And sorry again for the heat in here. I'm going to get these guys to come in earlier in the 
turn the heat down. But Well, Lord, we thank you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, helping me pull this together. Thank you for such amazing people, Lord, that love you so much. And Lord, I ask you cause them to be hunger. Lord, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon them. Lord, I ask right now. Lord, all the distractions that need to like get get gone, that they get gone, Lord, and all the all the new ways, new thinking, new thoughts, new revelation, the book opening up. Open the book up, Lord. Let us see you, Jesus, in the volume of the book it is written of you. Let us see you, Lord, in the prophets. Let us see they talked about you. Let us eat you. You are the man in the wilderness. We eat you, Jesus. You were the bread that you multiplied to the thousands. There were thousands and thousands of loaves, and there was enough for everybody. And they ate that bread, and it was you, Lord. At one time, you were showing us you're able to come to everybody at the same time. They all can eat of you all at the same time. Another revelation. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I just ask you to bless them, Lord. Let your face shine upon them, Lord. And cause them to flourish, Lord, in you. And cause them to be like trees planted by the rivers of living water that bears fruit in their season, Lord. That whatever they do will prosper, Lord. Like trees planted, Lord, plant them. Thank you, Jesus. I ask for angels to go out with them now. Go with them to their homes, Lord, and make them hungry. Turn the hunger up, Lord. Turn the volume up, Lord. We must hear you. You rebuked the Old Testament people for not hearing you and for not seeing your image. Lord, surely in the New Testament, we'll give you that. And we'll pursue, Lord, until that happens. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.